finishes the ad. Let's take a look. Welcome to this week's episode of Fear, Honor, and Interest, the podcast for two straight white guys who went to Yale, solve America's cultural divisions by talking about the same ads everyone else is already talking about. Coming to you from Washington, D.C., I'm your host, Charles Bobinger, with me on the line from Istanbul, as always, my co-host, David Wheel. David, how's it going? Well, I'm, uh, I'm mixed, uh, you know, I have, I have mixed feelings here because I was so proud of you for not having watched that ad. But it was my talking, my response to your questions about the ad that led you to just watch the ad. So now I'm part of the problem. You are. Of, um, uh, part of the problem of, uh, of sort of predictability and unoriginality. Just well, you bullied me into it. I think that was really <laughs> yeah, right. what you should have. Having seen the ad, you should have known better. You should have exactly. been better. That's, that's just I'm, it's very unfortunate. I'm not the best a man can get. You are not the best a man can get. Yeah. Um, if we, if we, if we have to do this, right. So I, um, my mom, uh, over the last several months has had this funny habit of occasionally bringing subjects up when we talk where I can tell from the tone of her voice that she's expecting me to present some kind of out there, maybe even alt-right type sort of response or criticism of whatever she's about to say. Okay. And it happened, it happened with this Gillette ad. And I think I, um, well, I, I felt better when she told me later how she had reported our conversation to her, uh, to her friends, um, which was to say that, and I'll use this also as my sort of basic thesis for, uh, for the purposes of our conversation, which is that, um, <clears throat> how she characterized my argument was, um, the ad is superficial and takes a sort of easy, cheap approach to complain, uh, to conveying very complex topics. And in so doing, um, doesn't really do very much and maybe even sort of increases cynicism insofar as it's like, oh, I didn't realize this whole time that I was waiting for a razor company to tell me what my moral priorities are. And that in particular, like what word does the ad start with? Bullying, right? Well, bullying is a very important topic. It's a very complex topic. And it's one that the conversation about or the themes brought up in uh, well, first, first of all, I'm going to close that parentheses and go back to the way my mom characterized my argument because she said, okay, you know, missed opportunity, oversimplifying, cynicism, you know, in, uh, and because of this oversimplification and potentially increasing cynicism. But she continued, then again, my son uh, probably isn't really the um, intended audience for Gillette because he only buys straight razors off the street from blind peddlers in Istanbul. And longtime <laughs> listeners of the show will know that that's true. And I still, I still use the straight razor, uh, which I've only had to use one razor over the past, uh, what is it now? Six months that I've been shaving with this straight razor. So wow. to, you know, be a little bit better as a, 
Anyway, whatever. We'll, we'll leave that. For I will let the listeners know, though, that due to poor um, connection quality today, I'm not getting video of David, so I can't actually vouch for whether he looks <laughs> clean-shaven. Well, I only shave every couple of days because I don't have to shave. Any because you have such a wonderful razor. You know, don't 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 take the cheap shot. That's that's the story. That's my argument for. I'm not bullying uh, you. I'm just. I I wasn't being sarcastic. I'm just pointing out. That yeah, yeah, no, no. Right, that's sure, the real best a man can get. But let's go back to bullying because if the ad had stuck with bullying, it could have said, you know, uh, bullying. This is a huge problem. It's an increasingly intense problem because the way that people are socializing is changing in in unpredictable way in sort of ways that we know more about as more and more people spend more time on the internet but still very unpredictable we don't really know how to deal with this problem it's a huge crisis um so still focus on men still focus on toxic masculinity say don't raise your sons to close their problems you know to sort of close their emotions and keep themselves shut off from other people Raise your sons to be expressive and communicative and share their feelings. That's the only way you can deal with bullying. You know, focus on a topic, get into complexities of it, and they could have had the same message, you know, but actually said something in the two-minute ad as opposed to saying bad things are bad. And, you know, as we were talking about this in uh, the lead-up here, in this moment where... Trump is in the White House, and um, the rule of law is under threat in a way that it the, the, the seems, I think, is fairly unprecedented in, in certainly in our lives. Um, and the future of our country, the future, uh, due to climate change, the future of our civilization uh, is at stake. I, I can't actually understand why people would want and feel that there was absolutely nothing wrong with, and in fact, something laudable in the sort of recitation of a creed. You know, it's bad for people to do bad things. In, you know, I, I would just say that in fact that is precisely the moment when you should step back and think harder about how we got to where we are and the dynamics that are keeping us in the present circumstances, preventing us from moving forward in a more um, hopeful and coherent way and, and not go for sort of unexplained, uh, sort of um, uh, unexplained kind of buzzword repetition. Um, and that's what, that's what the, that's what this ad struck me as because these things are, the things that they showed in the ad really were so different from each other that the point of what they were saying struck me as no having no more content than you know bad things are bad don't do bad things so that was my you know problem with the ad to the extent that I had a problem which which is also to say that like you know, the reason I congratulated you for not watching the ad was because perhaps in another symptom of the problems in our society, to criticize the ad, I feel like I have to put myself on a side against the ad when 
the world that the ad is describing in substantive terms is also the world I want to live in. You know, like right. I want to live in the world where uh, men are thoughtful and assertive as opposed to being, you know, uh, snide, dismissive and aggressive. Right. I, I don't you know, I don't like bad things either. So let's not have the bad things, but let's also have intelligent conversations about the things that we actually talk about. And um, so saying like, yes, but that's enough. Or, excuse me. Um, yeah, sure. But that's not enough. Uh, yeah, that's my response to this ad, basically. Like, yeah, sure. But that's not enough. Right. You're essentially attacking it. I mean, from the left in the sense that you're saying it didn't go far enough. In, in a way, yeah, yeah. In a way, um, which is in contrast to the other ninety-nine percent of criticism it's received, um, which is basically. I don't know about that. I mean, yeah. Go ahead. I mean, I, I, I don't want to deny that there are other people on the left saying it hasn't gone far enough or that it's too superficial. But I meant I was referring instead to the kinds of criticism that's come in from the right, where, um, I mean, so I, background for listeners, I always try to avoid controversial ads for as long as I can because it's always going to be some stupid controversy and it's always going to just not be interesting to me and I just don't want to be I also um sometimes I don't want to encourage them depending on what the ad is or what the discussion is around it it's kind of like how sometimes I'll see an outrageous Fox News headline on the news part of my phone of the like the phone's news app and I won't and I want to know what it says, but I won't click on it because I don't want them to give to get the click for doing something like that. <laughs> yeah. um, and you know, this is a this is an ad ostensibly for a razor company, and it has to do with toxic masculinity. So I assumed it had something to do with razors, um, or at least men shaving while looking at themselves in the mirror, um, which I was amazed to see that it did not have when I finally watched it just now. Um, there were men looking in the mirror at one at a point, but they weren't doing it like wall shaving. I was, just, I mean, I just assumed in my mind that the ad would feature men shaving the mirror in the morning, looking at themselves, and thinking about something wrong that they'd done um, or a time. Oh, I think that was what, that for, what the. I mean, there, were, there were there were images that I took to be like men. Yeah, I mean, I just thought they'd be shaving while they did it. Sure, sure, but but I think that's also um, part of the bad faith that I. That's part of the bad faith that I. Or one of the signals of evidences of bad faith that I ascribe to Gillette in making mm-hmm. this ad, which is that there was a maybe a tiny hint in the first few clips, uh, and I wasn't even sure what I was seeing, but it looked like maybe they showed footage from old Gillette ads. That objectified women. Hmm. But, oh, were those old? I, I had no idea if those were old Gillette ads or not. Well, this is this is my point: is oh, that yeah. they were in a in a series of clips that showed, you know, that purported to show toxic masculinity, uh, or showed the signal or the sort of roots of toxic masculinity or something. You know, there was this sort of gesture towards the idea that maybe Gillette was saying. Uh, we were part of the problem in terms of creating cultural uh, grist, you know, grist for the cultural mill that um, 
that led to this view that men are a certain way, women are another way, and the relationship between them should be X, Y, Z. And now it's not good enough. It's not good enough to say the best a man can get. You have to switch to the best a man can be. Right. Um, but then if it was even there, it was there for like a half second before moving on to this Farrago, the, you know, I don't think actually had any coherence uh, for the rest of the ad. And so again, it's like, well, okay, so is this a confession? Is this a confession and a pledge to do better? What are, what are, what am I seeing? You know? And if, if Gillette is trying to, um, you know, issue some brave, powerful statement about how we treat each other, then and the pledge to do something better and new, shouldn't the first step be the proper acknowledging of what happened in the past? So it's like, it just struck me again, it's just irredeemable. I mean, again, not because of the idea that um, we should all be the Marlboro man and, uh, you know, I don't know, um, just, again, just, I don't want to bother listing examples, but, you know, I'm not saying that, um, the, the, the sort of intended goal, the utopia that's very obviously sketched out in general terms in the ad is a bad thing. I think men should be better and can get better and must in fact get better. But, uh, but I certainly don't trust Gillette to, particularly after seeing this ad, I trust them less to tell me what that society looks like. Because they can't, they can only tell you the superficial aspect of it, but not how you get there. And while, while implying that uh, organizations that create cultural content like ads are responsible for the way that men think, they nevertheless immediately shirk the responsibility that their own accusation implies. You know what I'm saying? I don't know that I agree with that. You're saying that they're shirking. So the ad shows that, you know, purveyors of culture have the ability to shape how men think. And, and right. or, or at least you encouraging. Yeah. It's not the only thing, of course. Um, right. They show, they show men. Basically the, the most of the back end of the ad is, uh, your children are watching you. You, you know, they pay attention to what they see. You have to be an example to them. That's obviously true. But the beginning is kids watching TV and, you know, watching sort of screens. Right. And so um, that implication is not, you know, children model their parents, which is obviously true. Um, it's children are blank slates upon which, uh, television commercials and, uh, you know, sitcoms press, you know, a hot stamp into the, into the soft wax. And that is a debatable argument to begin with. And if it's true, then it means that what Gillette did in the past is part of that. And that they should 
actually treat that seriously instead of skipping over it in a fraction of a second. So again, I mean, just see, I see every decision that this ad made to be one where, you know, okay, let's do we want to include this? Yeah, let's include it. Um, so how deep do we want to go on that subject? Yeah, we give it about forty milliseconds. You know, it's just again, I I find it lazy and sloppy, and I feel like again, particularly in this era of Trump, lazy and sloppy needs to be the opposite of our method mm. as we pursue virtue and the creation of new social values to the yeah. extent that those are even necessary. I mean, I disagree with just about all of your criticism there. Oh, great. I mean, not literally all of it. I mean, I do – your complaints about ways it could have been better, I do largely agree with. I Where I disagree is the notion that um, there's a plausible alternative version of this ad that would ever be made that would be better than that. Um, and I disagree – I mean, because it almost sounds like – because I – in my take, the version of the ad that you're describing – I'm not actually sure. Like, so part of the problem is you and I are not the target audience for this ad because you and I are not the ones who indulge in toxic masculinity. At least, no, we absolutely are the target. The target of this ad. Oh, okay. I no. I guess I the, disagree the, with that criticism as well. No, no, no. no. Well, if you, uh, well, first of all, I think if you if you believe that this ad is targeted towards the people in the ad who were, you know, bullying, catcalling women, telling women to smile, I think the ad is an even worse thing, uh, product than I actually believe it is because it will obviously not reach those people. The, to me, it's clear that the intended purpose of the, or the intended target of the ad is the friend who says, Hey, stop right. that. It's, it's, it's for the people who should be doing the call outs. But what I meant right. by it's not That's targeted nice. towards us is my, what I meant was it's targeted towards people who, should be the guy calling the person out, but who have not put that much thought into it yet. And what I meant was that you and I are the kind of people who, I mean, we've done a whole podcast. We, we, I mean, we do this podcast where we discuss lots of cultural issues. You know, we just rake them over the coals to get every little bit of nuance out. Um, I don't think that analogy works, but um, we discuss these things a lot. We are the ones who are having a discussion about, you know, getting into those societal causes and all the other things this ad could have done. But I feel like what you've described, what you want the ad to be, is a more intellectually coherent ad that you feel bolsters your perceptions of, um, you know, of, of the reality you want to help create. And I think that this is aimed at people who are um, just a, a few notches away from us, not necessarily in like down or up or anything like that, but people who are just... Um, people who are a little different on the spectrum where they haven't put as much thought into it, they probably know maybe they should not be comfortable when their friend, you know, harasses a woman, but the ones who haven't really put that much thought into it in the first place. I mean, I agree the ad is superficial insofar as it's really aimed at people who are kind of on the fence about whether they should do that sort of thing. I don't think you and I are on the fence right, about and it that doesn't, kind of thing. And this is, this is part of my problem is that it doesn't, it's a Rorschach test because if you look at the man who like sort of leans out of the coffee shop and is like, Oh my God, look at that woman. Um, you know, if you look at that and you say that's objectifying a woman, it's the summer she's wearing, you know, shorts and a, and a t-shirt, you know, what is there to remark on? 
you know, this guy's gross and it's good that his friend stepped in and said, hey, that's not cool. Then you see that and you say, I approve. That's what he should have done. But if you look at the ad and say, okay, you know, it is vanishingly possible that she, that this woman even saw the guy out of the corner of her eye. So nothing actually happened. And I guess, so was he going to like yell at her to come back? Okay. Well, that's, that would be bad if he did that. But what did I actually see? I didn't see him do anything wrong. Right? Like if you're someone who, who said, who reacts in that way, there's no argument given for why you should not think the way you do. And so that's what I was saying about focusing on bullying is that the ad starts there. I do. De- one, I definitely agree a- with the criticism that the ad it lacks focus because it switches between two topics. I mean, they're both connected right, through but, but, toxic but, but, masculinity, yeah. but, but again, I agree but, with you that yeah, if it stayed on one or the other, it would be better. Okay, there you go. Yeah, I take that as a uh, vindication. Sufficient- yeah. <laughs> you bullied me into a point of agreement. I heard the little devil on one shoulder and the little angel on the other shoulder whispering what I was supposed to say just then. And I went with, uh, I guess I went with the angel. There you go. The better yeah. angels of your nature. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, 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 as, again, but I feel like. This is actually like, a sig- Yeah, yeah. sorry. Oh, no. I, I was just, I, I, my conclusion on this is that I, as far as your argument is concerned, my conclusion is that I feel that. Um, you want the ad to be for a slightly different audience than it is for. Um, I think as a as an ad on its own, to my mind, and of course, I, as I said, I don't believe that I am the target audience for this ad. I believe that the target audience for this ad, the way the ad is designed, I think would actually be very helpful. Um, I think. Um, I don't know that because I'm not the actual target audience for this ad, but I feel from a craft standpoint that despite some of the issues you've you've described in terms of losing focus, uh, I or how it could have stayed on other things a little bit longer, I think it makes an. In, I, I for example, I really love the imagery of all the men at the barbecue in the long line that sort of continues on forever, saying, "Oh, boys will be boys, boys will be boys, boys will be boys." Um, I thought I thought some of what it did could have, in theory, have been quite effective. That's different, however. Um, yeah, again, and they wasted that image because again, boys will be boys, right? Like. We, what we saw in that image, there were two instances of bullying. One was the kid getting chased across the city, and the other was the kid, like one kid on top of another kid at the at a barbecue. We don't actually see enough of either of them to really understand what's going on. Like the the one with the kid getting chased by the huge group of people is sort of inherently scary, and so you can say, okay, right off the bat, that that. You know, is probably I can't really imagine anyone making a good case to say that that was something other than uh, an instance of sort of harassment or intimidation that a passerby would be justified in um, intervening in. Well, you, I mean, you, you, you don't but, know the, but the other one, the but the other one, you don't. So they could like, be aliens in disguise chasing someone down to save the universe. Okay, what I said about cheap shots. <laughs> That's not what I was saying. What I was saying oh, okay. was when there, when two children are wrestling at a barbecue, that could actually be just rambunctious children being rambunctious. 
And they're not presenting an argument for me to change my behavior if I think something other than boys will be boys. I don't think boys will be boys. I think I agree with you that that image of all men at the sort of standing at the barbecue um, was a was a powerful image, but it was wasted in the context of this of this incoherent ad, I thought, as opposed to, again, you know, concrete suggestion here, not just like, oh, it should have been better. It's stick with bullying. You start there, you end there. Um, talk about how if the, if your child is the victim of bullying, the child has to be able to talk about it, to feel safe and confident in sharing their feelings, how they feel trapped, hopeless, whatever, that it's not, uh, unmanly for them to admit to those feelings. If your child is the bully, that um, you know, uh, you have to get them to talk about what's bothering them so that they can express themselves in positive ways and not bully other children. You know, that is that goes right to the core of the of the concept of toxic masculinity, and it would be a great constructive way of. Uh, of undermining it in the sort of public service announcement way that the ad kind of sets itself, uh, sets its tone. Um, but instead of doing that, they go for this sort of, it's a, again, incoherent Rorschach test where only the convinced will, I think, ascribe any meaning to it whatsoever. And people who see themselves on the other side of a culture war look at this ad and say, oh, this is another attack on my values. And all it does is drive people to have conversations about the Gillette, which is presumably what Gillette actually wanted. Yeah, that's, yeah, that, that is, I agree with you so, completely on that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, and, be, and so because this is an ad know, for a razor does, company. Exactly. All it does is increase heat and smoke, drive light out and, it actually obscures more than it reveals. So, I mean, I, I just, I, I find it utterly cynical. It's Trumpian. I mean, it's utterly cynical. It's a mishmash of, con uh, you know, mishmash of concepts strewn together with no co coherent theme. It is Trump. It is what we are trying to excise our society from our society. I disagree with that because everything that's Trumpist and Trumpism and what he does is always appealing to the worst in us and the nastiness and the, he's the one who says, go out and punch those people who are protesting. I'll pay your legal bills. I mean, just everything, everything, everything Trump encourages us to do is to be nastier and pettier. And this ad may be too superficial, but it's at least trying to encourage us to do the right thing. Uh, yeah, that's fair. I mean, it, it's, it's thoughtless and, uh, thoughtless and, kind as opposed to being right. thoughtless and mean so that's right. that's true that's the yeah, step that's up but 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 i think that the appearance of kindness is belied by the obviously cynical intent of producing and and you know uh publishing whatever uh you know releasing the ad and so i i see hypocrisy i see behind that painted mask of kindness right. utterly cynical motives intending for people to argue about it in order to get more people talking about the ad. Yeah. On, on this, I so, agree with you. Yeah. So, so I, I actually don't concede that point. I think, I think it is the appearance of kindness and the reality of cynical corporate, you know, BS. 
Yeah, I have to say that I am never fond of ads like this. This is part of why I resisted watching it. The social responsibility ads by a company because, and, well, really I'm upset by any ad that has nothing to do with the product. Um, because yeah. whenever it has nothing to do with the product, you know that they're putting this out to get attention. Not right. I because, think, because I the think ad itself doesn't do that. I think you'll like, and I encourage everyone listening, all, all two of you or however many, that uh, to watch the Saturday Night Live Kool-Aid ad send-up of the Gillette ad, which my brother sent me earlier today, which I think is a very, like a really surprisingly deft um, uh, satire of surprisingly deft taking shots at SNL. Um, well, both, you know, shots at SNL and also just given the frame that you naturally one would, and that you in fact did naturally sort the ad into mm -hmm. of like, is it being attacked from the left or the right? You know, do you believe in toxic masculinity or is this part of the war on men? You know, like that type of framing. Um, is so pronounced that the fact that I, in my view, Saturday Night Live, you know, avoids that and has their own uh, frame for, you know, for sort of mo gently mocking the ad, uh, I thought was, I was, you know, I was genuinely impressed. Hmm. Yeah, well, I, uh, so I have not seen the Kool-Aid ad yet. Uh, David mentioned both of these together this morning when we started the call, and I watched the Gillette ad because it was, you know, a minute and 30 seconds, um, and because it seemed like it might be useful fodder to discuss, as it has been so far. Um, but I've not watched the Kool-Aid ad because you said that was a little bit longer, and there wasn't really a need for me to do it just yet. Well, um, it'll give you a, a treat after you... I, absolutely. Get a sugar high yeah. off the, off the Kool-Aid. this conversation. Um, yeah. yeah, well, so I actually do want to... This is something you may not even remember... But your criticism of this ad reminds me of your criticism of the movie Argo back when it came out, um, which was that you basically wanted it to have just been a different movie. You wanted to, Interesting. yeah, you you had a Facebook post where you said that you would have, you would, it was, I think you were talking about how you wanted a movie that saw it through the eyes of ordinary um, people in Iran. Uh, and what they thought about it. And it was just this, you were basically just describing a different movie around the same circumstances. And I just right. remember that my criticism in my response post to that was that it's like, okay, but that's not this movie. Like, don't don't blame this movie for what it isn't. Judge it for what it is. And, yeah. you know, there were legitimate no, criticisms a... to be made of Argo. Yeah, I wish I could, under I wish I could rem remember this, uh, this critique yeah. that I made. I only just I remembered have... this, so I can't. I don't can't I have back no it up. Real <laughs> recollection of it. I, I sort of vaguely recall enjoying Argo, so I'm yeah. not sure what I would have said. Um, yeah, I, I think it was just but, that you wanted it to be a different movie than it was. Well, right, and that's what I. That's to the extent that I perhaps bore some uh, recollection of this concept. Um, you know, I I was trying to respond to that criticism in our conversation just now by saying that this is not just me saying. You know, I don't like this ad. I wanted an ad about, you know, the Rocky Mountains or something. It's just they start with bullying, right? Like they introduce the topic. They are talking about toxic masculinity. And 
there are so many better ways of doing what they seemed to want to do that's that seemed to me to be close to what they were that to you know close to the ad that they actually ended up with but that would have been um more coherent and yeah like i don't i don't want to <laughs> yeah part of the reason that i'm angered by the ad is also that i feel that it's cynical and the fact that I believe that means that I think that their goal was to have people have these types of conversations, which mean right. that they're successful. And so I have nothing to tell them, but if their goal had been to um, say something, you know, to use a minute and a half, two minutes to actually say something that could open someone's eyes, whose eyes need to be opened, yeah, then you know, with the tools they chose, with the length of time that they chose, with the kind of imagery that they chose, here's what I would suggest. As opposed to, again, I don't know what he even said about Argo, but, um, you know, as opposed to saying, like, yeah, I would have loved to see an ad about the Rocky Mountains. Right. Yeah, and I, I mean, you're you're right. It, I, in fact, I almost feel taken in myself be, by given the fact that we've talked for about, you know, 30 minutes at this point. About the ad when, you know, as you say, it's a truly cynical maneuver to get us talking about the ad. And I do agree with that. I mentioned before, I do not like it when companies put out ads that are not, um, that don't feature their product and are not about their product, that are about some other social responsibility thing. Not because I disagree with the social responsibility, but because I do believe that they are cynical ploys on the part of the company. Um, if you're Gillette... You are loving this last week. Your name has been all over the place. And yeah, you know, some people get mad about it, but um, there's going to be plenty of people, just like when um, Nike did something last year that got people upset. I don't remember what it was. And mm. in a similar kind of ad. And I remember a bunch of people that I follow on Twitter being like, well, I bought Nikes for the first time. And, you know, then the right-wing people like, we're burning our Nikes. And it, it all reminds me. Yeah, I think it was Colin Kaepernick is what you're talking about. Oh, that was they, probably uh, it. Yeah, that's right. Took that's him right. as their as a spokesman for their campaign. Um, and it all reminds me of uh, a plot line on The Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt where um, uh, she's trying to get them to rename Washington's football team. And um, they end up she ends up convincing them to, this is um, Jane Krakowski's character, manages to convince them to change the name um, to something that will cause even more people to buy and burn their jerseys because that will increase <laughs> jersey sales. And so they end up naming themselves the Washington Gun Takers. Um, and right. this actually results in a little, a wonderful little recurring bit in the third season where you occasionally see news crawls that have scores of teams with these outrageous names um, <laughs> against each other for the NFL. That's and funny. yeah. And so, very clever. I mean, yeah. So that show a couple years ago basically made, you know, this point that you anger people and they have to buy your product to burn it. And then other people will buy it to support it. And this just right. results in more sales and more exposure for the company. And I think that you are correct that in that sense, the ad, the existence of the ad is a monument to cynicism, even if regardless of the artistic merits of the ad itself. Like you could have a, you yeah. could have an ad company that is tasked with making this ad. Gillette comes to them and says, we want to do an ad about toxic masculinity. And, you know, they could have people who are doing 
serious work coming up with the best ad they can on the subject. But the motivation of Gillette in ordering the ad and in releasing the ad could be incredibly cynical. Yeah. Well, so here I'm going to perhaps take an unadvised turn into a, into the minefield and say that part of the thing that I see here is that I said the, the ad was a Rorschach test. And what I meant to be was fair, that, everything is these days. Well, precisely. Yeah. And in what particular sense is everything a Rorschach test these days? It's that never in history has there been so much attention paid to determining how to flash something in front of us and catch our attention and provoke a particular response. And the flood of information that is presented in front of all of, of each of us um, is designed to to spark something in us and get a reaction. Um, and that reaction is not something that is like, it's not something that um, sort of has a beginning, middle, and end, something that provokes thought and reflection and, and observation and growth. It's just a pure flood of some kind of emotion or another leading to the click hmm. and the click is all, you know, the click and the click through and uh, the, the sustained attention is what the machine is designed to uh, produce, you know, this media machine, the flood of information. And so what's going on is not that you're like thinking about something you're, slowly understanding something you're you're being convinced by something it's that you're recognizing something so again back to the rorschach test it's here's a sad here are all these little you know three to four second instances that don't have enough information for me to actually understand what is nominally you know, going on what's actually going on it's, I mean, it's the, it's the equivalent of, like, the grainy cell phone footage, you know, that we also see so much of. It's like, we, it's not enough in itself to tell me anything. Right. But you, depending on what you're expecting to see, that's what you see, and then that's how you react. And I think part of what makes... Uh, comedy, you know, stand-up comics, so um, important during this moment is that what they do, what good ones do, is slowly set up. They slowly sort of sprinkle out images and concepts and ideas to lead you in a direction where you think you're going to recognize the next thing that they present you with, but then they subvert your expectation. And so, whereas we're, we're being bombarded with these symbols that evoke unconsidered reactions all the time, something like comedy is a bulwark against that by pulling you sort of inexorably towards reflection and observation and 
challenging your the thing that you expected to recognize. Right. You know, if it's good comedy, then that's what that's what they do. Sort of subvert that. Right. Expectation of well, the punchline. I mean, and, I just, this is yeah. I mean, it, I have to say, I'm always annoyed by comedians who recognize the importance of comedy to a social structure, and so are and so make a big deal about how how big and important their job as comics is, and how what they're saying is deep and profound and holds a mirror up to us. But then when they say something offensive, they go, "Oh, it was just a joke." Yeah, I mean, it's kind of neither here nor there. Let's not get sidetracked yeah. by that point. It's just yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm sorry for I'm sorry for even beginning that sidetrack. But I think I think in general, I mean, like, this whole to the extent that I've had a theme, a central theme, and what I've been talking about, my intended theme was the need for reflection and challenging of, of what you actually believe and, and being convinced by something as opposed to simply um, hearing the call and joining the the flood, you know, hearing the call and joining the movement. Right. Um, and so, so that's what I was trying to get at with, uh, you know, with this notion that comedy sort of shows us a different way of thinking. Which it does. So I, yeah, that's, why, yeah, that's, why, that's why I brought it up, but we can drop it. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I'll say one last point on that, which is that it kind of reminds me of something Mel Brooks said when he was sort of asked, you know, why about the producers, which was, of course, such a controversial movie at the time, because, you know, it's a joke about Nazis when the Nazis were only 20 years ago. Um, and he would he said, if I recall correctly, that the thing about somebody like Hitler is somebody like Hitler is great at playing to a crowd. If you go up and you shout against him or you're both shouting in front of a crowd, he's going to win. So the only thing you can you don't get up on a soap, soapbox against Hitler. You have to make fun of him because he is a ridiculous character. And. You know, that's essentially what he was doing in The Producers. And, yeah. Um, yeah. There are a lot of different approaches to this. And yeah. Slavoj Žižek actually has some incredible comments about Jewish humor about mm. and in the Holocaust. Interesting. Which I will not attempt to. Oh, really? You don't think there's any, you think there's some way that could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. Well, the the point the point being that um, humor is so fundamental to our nature as human beings that it is not, in fact, surprising that people who were in those circumstances both used humor in that in those moments. And people who survived those circumstances um, had recourse to humor. I mean, in yeah, and talking in, about it. To in each part, other. humor is the ability to see absurdity, and so much of life is absurd in a way where it's not funny absurd, but it's wrong absurd. And right. the ability, it, it, I think, it's important to have. I think what something humor does is it can make us stop and think. Um, that we're doing and make and stop and make us realize that we're doing, we're, we found ourselves in an absurd place. Yeah. And, and so by doing that, it can bring us towards a less absurd place by making us think about something being absurd. And um, to use yeah. examples that are just, you know, so much of, of a lesser magnitude, things like, why do we, uh, why do we park on a driveway and drive on a parkway? <laughs> when you say that to people at first, they're like, wait a minute. And they do start to think about how language works. You can say, 
Furthermore, why is it the same thing if you burn up and burn down? And, you know, sometimes a joke like that will get people to think about, um, get them to think about, uh, you know, language in a way that they would not have been doing otherwise because they recognize the absurdity of, because you were always saying these words. You were always talking about driveways and parkways and you never pause to think that it's silly until somebody makes a joke about it. And then you realize that all this time you've been doing something, you've been saying something that is absurd. You must have a better delivery of those jokes than I do. The, well, I don't usually make dad jokes. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah. But no, it's, of course, it's a, it's, it's a fair. I've wowed a few people a, with it. <laughs> no, it's a, it's a good, it's a good point. Um, well, I want to then yeah. mention, you know, how much are we, um, you know, how how guilty are we of the fact that we're doing an episode where we have for the first what is it now forty minutes or so discuss this ad we're giving them what they want even though we are giving criticism now i think we do it in a way that is possibly slightly more helpful because we've noted the cynicism we've noted some but a lot of the discussion was about ways the ad could have been better it wasn't just us getting mad at gillette for attacking our beloved toxic masculinity and it wasn't us praising gillette for daring to take on this subject i think we probably had a better take on it in these 40 minutes than all of these news people that i've been hearing who just want to get, you know, just like the ad just wanted to get clicks, the news people just want to get clicks, and their clicks come by having one crazy person on the right and one, um, well, in my mind, they're not as crazy on the left, get together and, you know, argue about the ad. And, you know, some everybody gets something they want out of that if they're on the, sort of the two extremes where the people on the right get to see the guy on the right talk about how this is an attack on them. And the people on the left get to see somebody on the left take down and own the person on the right by talking about the importance of these issues. And the reality of it is we're all being used by both Gillette and the news company um, to get clicks and attention. Yeah, and to to go back to something that I mentioned uh, maybe two, two or three uh, episodes ago, that we have a we have a choice about what we spend our precious hours on this earth thinking about don't let, don't no 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 do not bring that up to people who are currently listening to this podcast we need more people to listen <laughs> yes you have no choice you must <laughs> yeah. right. yes because we're getting we're, you and i are gaining so much from doing this <laughs> yeah exactly i guess this, this, this is the stupidest thing that either of us has done all week i'm sure uh, I mean, I get a little well, jolt of happiness whenever the numbers go up. It doesn't affect anything, but it makes me happy. Right, right. Um, yeah. Well, yeah. anyway, I want. Uh, so on that. No, but the point, point oh, being yeah. that um, that we should spend that time, produ- not necessarily productively, but earnestly, you know, honestly, zealously, and. Um, Obviously, if you and I felt that we we're just going through the motions, that would be right. an appropriate time to say, hey, let's not bother doing this anymore because there's no point. But I take our conversations seriously, and that simple act of taking something seriously is rejuvenating. Right. That's um, step one to a better world is to take the conversations about things seriously. Right. And that's, again, to the extent that we're looking for lessons or looking for gifts for all time. That is, right. that is the, 
the core of the gift for all time. Right. If somebody is... comes back in the future and says, why were people talking about a razor ad? <laughs> I think we've largely summed up why the ad exists, what the ad could have done better and why people are talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of videos that we've resisted clicking on, we don't have a ton of time left, but I do, this is enough, this is the other big, there are two big viral videos of this week, basically. Um, although one of them just occurred, I think yesterday or two days ago. So I don't know, um, how much will have of legs, but you may have heard about this video of the, uh, teenagers in make America great again, hats tormenting, right. um, an indigenous, um, and it was for part of the indigenous people's march, which I, I was, I don't understand the timing of all these things. Cause I know the women's march was yesterday and the day before that was the March for life. Um, the, well, the, my understanding was that these kids had the, the reason they were there is that they were, they, they were there for the March for life. Yeah. March for life. Yeah. yeah. But I was just curious about what the, when the indigenous people's March is generally I think scheduled it, I for. think it was it just happening on the same yeah. day as the March for life. Right. Cause but, I, part, unless that's wrong, I mean, it could obviously be wrong, but. Uh, otherwise, why would they be at the same place at the same time? And because the kids, presumably, if they're high school kids, maybe they had a couple hours off, but they wouldn't have been there for like a whole extra day if yeah. they, yeah, you know. Well, regardless, so, but anyway, um, that, yeah, that, that's not the relevant part. The relevant part is that you had a bunch of teenagers in the red Trump hats, um, you know, mocking. Um, a Native American elder who's also a Vietnam veteran, um, and uh, while he's doing a, a traditional song, and uh, I have again resisted on resisted watching the full video because it, this well, one for this a is another reason, one where I think because okay. th this time it's not about me not wanting to give them clicks. It's not about me just being like, oh, this is a stupid controversy. It's just awkward and painful to watch a video like that and i did not want to do it and um i saw the video in my twitter feed and stopped and watched a bit but this was with the sound off because you know i hadn't clicked on the video to actually get sound because i really just didn't want to hear that and the indelible image from the video is the one kid who's standing right in front of the guy with this shit-eating grin on his face um just like mocking him I would, I would i would say Smirk. I think smirk mm. is a is a you know it's a subtle word, and I think it it does the job in this case. All right. This, well, I prefer this my profanity, pretty... but but, um, <laughs> but anyway. Well, so, okay. but it's it's fascinating. So I saw this, and I I remembered somebody saying once that at a presidential debate, you can tell who's winning by watching with the sound off. Um, mm. and this video, seeing it with the sound off, and again, I don't watch the whole thing. I just saw a little bit of it of what was happening. Because at first I heard, oh, it's these people mocking him. And then at first I think, well, the kid's just staring at him. He's not actually mocking him. But as the video goes on, you're like, oh, okay, I see what's happening now. And um, just the visual of the kid and the smile. If he had just stood there with a blank expression on his face, I don't think this would have gone viral. He could have been doing essentially as much mocking, but the imagery would have been very different if he had not had that awful smirk, yeah. as you say, on his face. And it was such that I saw this on the Metro home from going off and, you know, humble brag, going undefeated at my local Magic the Gathering pre-release for, for Ravnica Allegiance. I'm sorry, there's nothing humble about that. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, and I'm on the Metro and I see the video and I get into my apartment building. I like duck in because it was raining pretty awfully. 
Um, and there's this group of guys waiting by the elevator for somebody to come down and meet them. And one, and they're all looking at somebody's phone. He's like, and look at that awful smile. This kid is such a jerk. You can just tell. And I'm like, you're watching the video, you know, that video, right? And they're like, yeah. Um, yeah. It was, you know, that the smile, the, the look on the kid's face is the thing that I just saw other random people talking about. And that's how I knew what they were looking at. Um, yeah. And, you know, it, it can, it just, that's the power of visual imagery is that look on the kid's face. And I would note um, just immediately before the conversation goes any further on that, that I am ardently opposed to doxing, which is, you know, where you give away personal information about somebody so that a mob online can jump at them. Um, I don't think you should do that to anybody, let alone a teenager. Um, I think that the way something like that is perhaps best handled is that the people who know that kid, and I don't know his name, I haven't looked up his name, I'm sure he's been doxxed by now, you know, the people who know him are the ones who should be pulling him aside and being like, that was not cool. It's essentially what the Gillette ad was trying to tell us, is that it needs to be people who know him who say that's not cool, because otherwise you just turn into the same anonymous blob of harassment that the ad was attacking. Right, and in fact, you know, not only was the kid doxxed, but my understanding is that uh, in the zeal to dox the kid, totally unsurprisingly, a different teenager oh, was God. identified. And, and that's you know, always what happens a, is they always accidentally exactly. get somebody else with a similar name. Right, because it's not about it's not about um, decency. It's about violent violent impulses not necessarily right. any violence yeah, a violent revenge, reaction in that sense. revenge in the name of decency so yeah. again it's the, it's the hypocrisy it's the mask of righteousness to cover uh, you know acts acts actual deeds that we should not uh, justify so yeah i totally agree with that final impulse i i saw a lovely phrase used in this um in this context to say uh, never lower standards, but always extend grace. Hmm. Yeah. So that this kid should be humiliated. He should be ashamed. And indeed, as you said, that's the job primarily of his community. Unfortunately, part of the problem here is that if he's in that community of yahoos who thought it was remotely acceptable to surround that group of, uh, you know, that small group of um, people, including the veteran. I, I can't recall his name. But I think it was Nathan Phillips. Miller? Am I right about that? It's Nathan. It was Nathan. Something. Yeah. In any case, um, and this is also a situation where I would say this is not this is not a matter of the video; it's the videos, because there was another the second video that I saw actually involves uh, rather than the sort of long close up of the of the two faces and the and the guy singing and uh, banging on his drum, but one where someone held up a phone and took the view, and you can see that those mega high school kids were surrounding this group of people like two deep, three, four deep, completely surrounding them. So, I mean, it really, 
and it was much worse than that yeah. video that I think is actually the the sort of proper viral video that focused on that one kid's face. Because when I saw that, I thought, you know, as as hideous as that smirk is, and as much as I think I can tell what's going on here, which is that the kid is trying to get in his face, I couldn't actually tell that it wasn't somehow the opposite. Hmm. But once you see the fact that that group of high school students had surrounded this small group of people, it's like there's no – again, it goes, it's like the <laughs> – hate to bring up the Gillette ad again, but it's, you know, it's like uh, of the two instances of bullying, one of them really is clear cut where – you know, it's a mob of people. So this is utterly and probably does deserve to be, or it's a good, it's a good. Um, what's the? How do I phrase this? It's a good opportunity to bring up the question again of when you look at the photos of people, uh, when you look at the photos of the sit-in protests during the civil rights era, and you ask yourself. What happened to those teenagers who were insulting the activists who were sitting at the counter? You know, someone who was 16 pouring sugar on the head of a a sit-in protester is very likely still alive today. Right. And what are the, you know, what do they think about what's going on? How did they raise their kids? And are their grandchildren going to that school? You know, obviously, obviously, these these um, moral failings are not hereditary, so I don't I don't mean to imply that at all. But um, but part of the problem is that um, when you see that number of people and you say, well, it's the community's job, it's the family's job to reach out. It, 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 as the Gillette ad again said, you know, it's the friends who are going to be the ones who have to take up the burden of correcting their friend's behavior. Well, what if they all think the same way? Yeah. You know, it's, 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 now it's, the, the it's hard. I mean, that's, that's the, that's the fundamental problem of this whole period that we're in right now with the uh, red and blue and silos and tribes and right. I mean, all and, these uh, and I, frames you know, that we have for addressing the same. And I think we've been kind problem. of open on this show that certainly it is my take that, um, Part of what is wrong right now is that there is a broken culture on the right. Not to say that the culture on the left is perfect, but the culture on the right has become very toxic and very destructive. And that really is kind of our primary concern at the moment because they have people who are encouraging the sort of Trumpian nastiness and awfulness. But I do want to note that the school um, that these kids came from has apparently already been discussing, you know, that there could be. Um, consequences for these students in terms of perhaps suspensions or something. Um, like their their community, yeah, no, the school yeah, community yeah. is very opposed to this. Um, the which well, it's also you know. what's what's interesting. Yeah, if I if I may interrupt, you may. Now, you may. Um, I agree with what you were saying. This is the problem. There, this is the uh, uh, it gets right to the heart of really fundamental problems. The this house divided. Uh, phase of American history that we seem to be living through, you know, in a very vivid way once again. And, um, so, so one interesting thing or thing that I find interesting about this is that do you find it surprising, you know, that the, that the, that a Catholic school would look at this young man 
getting in the face of an elder, a Vietnam veteran, a minority, and intimidating him. Well, even the Trumpians, even the even a Trumpian that you just have the most uh, contempt for and think, oh, well, if, he's, if, if someone supports Trump, that means he's sexist and he's racist. Even if you believe that about someone who would wear a MAGA hat and the, and the, and the sort of uh, family and community background of that person. Veteran, elder, right? Even they would look at that video and say, you know, that's not acceptable behavior, right? That this is actually, and, and so moving in that direction, um, I see a potentially dangerous type of reaction to this kid's behavior in the form of a kind of sanctimonious centrism mm. that would say, this poor man, what did he, you know, this poor man, this victim of disgusting display by this, by this youth who, who disrespected him. That's not democracy. Democracy is protest, demanding your rights, shouting what you believe, right? That actually is American value. You know, that is an expression of American values. And doing it politely, you know, doing it genteely, um, isn't always possible. And just because this kid was, and, and his, all the people around him were engaging in that process from the right doesn't mean that I should not force myself again to recognize what he's doing as political speech. Right. That I should afford some modicum of respect to, even as I too, just like you did, I mean, and now moving into my own voice as opposed to kind of, you know, the devil's advocate thing I was talking about, um, you know, found his smirk to be just utterly despicable and, um, you know, the, the pack of howling 16 year olds, you know, mocking, uh, I mean, and there was one girl, there was one girl who did a, uh, like a South Asian type of sort of pseudo quote unquote Indian dance where she was uh, doing this sort of South Asian head bobble thing. Because uh, I'm not, if you're looking at me for recognition, you're not going to see it because I didn't, I didn't see that part. Yeah. Well, I just, yeah, there was a, in the, in that main viral video as the, as the camera sort of panning through a group of people, a bunch of them kind of do these weird, like, or they, you know, they sing along or they do, they sort of break into dance and one kid did this sort of South Asian dance that was like, <laughs> react, you know, it was just so racist and vile, right? Like, I too am reacting in that way. But at the same time, um, again, I just am I'm consistent here that or I, you know, I attempt to force myself to be consistent here that um, <clears throat> even with everything we've seen, even with everything that we have come to expect, we have to work very hard to 
acknowledge the rights of people who seem to be our enemies and to remember that they are also members of our broader political community. You mean is in the sense that we need everybody to be in the broader community. We don't want to be excluding people, like saying essentially your views are well, so out there that look, you're just out now. Right. Look, if okay, take that. Take the core image of the the snotty, snide, smirking student in the face of this elder veteran minority but change the context so that instead of the group of teenagers surrounding this small group of, you know, this group of like 50, what, 30 or 50 um, MAGA hat wearing teenagers surrounding this small group of like, it looked like seven to 10, uh, if even that, you know, five to seven um, uh, of the uh, protesters around this uh, elderly gentleman change the context so that they're just two people in a line of, or, you know, two people in sort of face-to-face -face protest crowds where each one of them has behind them to their left, to their right, uh, like-minded people marching for some cause. So right to life, uh, March, and, indigenous people's the, march, yeah. and then the indigenous people's march right if if these kids had not been surrounding and blocking the the movement of the much smaller group of protesters who were also older you know then i then i have then it it wouldn't even if the optics of that particular close-up were the same in my you know, I'm forcing myself to acknowledge that it would be totally different. Then it would just be political speech and this whole thing of being disrespectful to an elder. I would, I would sacrifice that on the altar of American democracy and say, this is political speech. And if you're getting on, getting in somebody's face, um, in the national mall, that's your right as an American. And, Indeed, I look in, you know, I, I am inclined to look into their hearts and say, you're racist, you're vile, you're, you know, how dare you, but that's not a positive, that, that you know, it, that's not a good approach to have because um, it closes off more doors than it opens and it increases my own hate and misanthropy right i mean if i were to talk to that kid one-on-one -on -one, i wouldn't just be yelling at him because that would accomplish nothing like we all know that because right. it, it's it's sort of like with the gillette ad and toxic masculinity People, if you if people who saw that as an attack on them are going to dig in and they're not going to listen to you know, arguments about what they need to learn from it. It would be like that with, I mean, I don't know that kid himself, but presumably a random average kid that did something like that. If you 
um, you know, if you confronted them one-on-one, you just yell at them, they're going to dig in or they're just going to not say anything. You have to actually, like, if you want to get to why they did that, you really kind of have to ask them, why did you do that? And not in an accusatory way, just be like, I want to understand what was going on while you were doing this. And if the answer to that is, it seemed funny at the time, but now I see that I screwed up, well, you know, would it help to yell at them once they realize it's screwed up? Because you don't want to push them away once they're starting to come towards you. I totally agree. I totally agree. And, um... Yeah, I totally agree. And my one last thought on this, and we're a little over time, but my one last thought on this is, um, you know, we, we the the presence of the MAGA hats is, being on the kids is a sort of a, I think that that makes a bigger deal to people on the left than does to people on the right, um, because people on the left are already primed to think, well, yeah, this is part of the culture Trump is creating. And I yeah. think that part of the problem with these sanctimonious attacks because by everybody from the left to the right, because I'm not going to, I have not seen anybody on the right defend the behavior here. Right. Part of the problem is the behavior is outrageous enough that people on the right are going to say, well, yes, of course we condemn this. Their behavior was, was abhorrent, but a lot of the people who are going to condemn this are going to be part of the culture that encouraged them to do it in the first place. And yeah, well, and I, I see two things. Front. One, to, I'll try it as, as quickly as possible. Uh, one is I have seen, to the extent that I've seen anyone defending the kids, it's been in the in the context of, um, you know, he who has he who is without sin cast the first stone. Or, like, or don't dox yeah, these, them. Don't dox them. These are children. You know, the pile on. We don't. We, you know, we weren't there. It was all. It's all been in that tone. And I, but I have seen people uh, really? sort of subtweeting, as it were, that event in a in a somewhat um, aggressive way. Hmm. Um. That's Even if they don't say, like, this is totally acceptable behavior, what's your problem? Right. You know, nobody, and, I haven't seen anybody say that. And this is too long a conversation um, for now, so maybe we'll touch on it next week if this is still a big a part of the news, is that, as I said, um, you know, this it, – it is, it, is it is my take. I would assume you would agree with me on this one, that there is a culture that has been created by a person who might be responsible for creating the MAGA hat um, – well, well, that encourages no, I mean, this again, kind of behavior. To, on that topic, and my second point was going to be sort of, you know, particularly uh, very precisely on what you just said, on the, on the topic of what you just said. Another thing that happened this past week was that Republicans, you know, in Congress uh, stood up and said, Steve King yeah. is a racist? How dare he? We'll strip him of all of his committee assignments. It's like, where have you been? For the past decade, I do actually you know, want to give a bit, a bit of defense here for the Republicans, um, oh, yeah. because so what if what first what happened when I first saw that Steve King had had been kicked out like this? I saw somebody tweet um, who had you know like one week as the period of time after Paul Ryan leaves before Steve King gets p- punished, and at first you're like ha 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 that's probably unrelated. It was probably the new comments. But then Kevin McCarthy, the new minority leader, who's you know the one who's replaced Paul Ryan, said in his statement about it that he saw behavior like this go unpunished too many times over the years, and he was going to be different. It's an interesting point. Yeah, and, no, but it I mean, is possible so that he wouldn't. Have, one, one, yeah. I, okay, one, I want to say this uh, is sort of apropos, but I also just realized that I had wanted to, to put this in writing as part of my resolution to make more predictions and 
give myself more things to criticize myself about Go if I don't, right ahead. you know, live up to them is, um, so Kevin McCarthy, presumably being from California understands better than any other class of Republicans, um, the desperate need for his con- for his party, for his country to change the Republican party from the direction that it's going. Um, and so I think, you know, it's definitely possible that that, that, that is a sincere yeah. uh, effort that he's making. Um, I'm going to say, I think that Ann Coulter, this whole line of Trump is cooked if he doesn't build the wall. Yeah. I, I view this as Ann Coulter now creating the space for herself and her sort of cultural market segment to survive Trump, to basically mm. say, oh, well, the reason Trump wasn't reelected was because he didn't stick with MAGA. You know, he didn't get it done. Didn't build the wall. And no, that's, I, her, I agree that's her completely. planting that stake and laying that foundation Be- now. Because, because that's, what like- they, that's what they did in the Bush years. They already said, well, the problem wasn't that he cut taxes on the rich and, you know, tore back the regulatory state and, you know, got rid of protections for various things in the financial sector. The problem is he didn't do enough. And they were already doing exactly. it with Sam Brownback in Kansas where they're like, well, okay, he did the dream of the conservatives of just slashing taxes and just cutting services, and it was a disaster, but it's only because he didn't cut enough taxes and reduce enough services. Right. Yeah. Now, then again, those of us on the left also have said that Obama didn't get a big enough stimulus to help us during the financial crisis. So it's not like as an argument that's unique to the right, although I think there's a bit more of an of a foundation you can actually show in economics for why that was true in the case of Obama needing a bigger stimulus. But well, that's that's yeah. a, that's a whole other podcast. Well, and just to answer it or to put a response to that somewhat concisely, it's another example of where you can have that discussion on the left and actually use numbers to say, well, the Obama stimulus was X billion, you know, X billion over Y years. And it should have been, you know, X one billion over Y one years, whatever. You can have that argument as opposed to like, you know, what's cutting back the regulatory state enough? You know, what's what's cutting back, what's cutting taxes enough? You know, there, there's not, there are no number, there are no real numbers there. Um, what's being, you know, mega enough? It's not. It, it, they're, they're different categories of. Uh, right. Of seriousness and, not, and, and just the one last little note on the stimulus there is that one of the things people touch, you said if we pass the stimulus, unemployment wouldn't go above 8% and it went to you know 10 or 11, whatever it ended up being. But when you look at the numbers, they made that projection based on a different projection about how high the unemployment rate would be when they implemented the stimulus. And the unemployment rate was already two points higher by the time they implemented it than they had expected. So the fact that it didn't have... Right. You know, it didn't have the result that they'd predicted based on another prediction that turned out to be wrong. Well, you know, that yeah. that, that was just and, not and good if, faith. If our, if our listener, no, if our listener wants uh, to listen to someone who actually knows what he's talking about, uh, Brookings I, had a, they wouldn't be listening to this if they really, didn't go on. really excellent um, event uh, two weeks ago, I think, um, on the tenth sort of the tenth anniversary of the crisis, and uh, Peter Orsag hmm. addressed this little sub part of our of our conversation today
in exhausting detail over the course of about an hour. Yeah. And there were there were several other uh, panels as well, but one of them was Peter Orsag specifically answering this question of, was it enough? What was the structure? Was it done correctly? Was it directed the right way? Yeah. You know, and uh, it, very, very, even if you don't agree with his position, uh, you know, very uh, enlightening conversation. Yeah. All right. And As with, opposed to ours. Yeah. <laughs> with the idea of directing you to an enlightening conversation, I think we'll call it an episode. Hopefully we'll see you guys next week. Everybody stay safe during some of the winter weather we are having out there. It's We had a big storm here in D.C. this week, but I don't know when the next one is going to come. But if there is another one, you know, everybody be careful. These things are can be quite dangerous. Uh, all right. Have a great week. Bye.